0: I feel as if I didn't give you enough text, and th- I spent, I got a chance to go to the library this week. Uh, there's a graduate theological library, and, and uh, I get to read commentaries, and, uh, and so I always make sure I have a lot of caffeine, a lot of caffeine, if you want to read these, these commentaries. I mean, you could make, you could make, uh, you know, they're like fire starter, they're so dry. <laughs> and that uh, I was surprised by something, and I, I want to talk about it a little bit today. I was just surprised by some of the reading I was doing, because uh, what I, I I know what's happening. I know what's happening around me. We uh, we chop up the we chop up scripture. I don't know where this habit really comes from. Maybe it's the versification, verses, and the verse little numbers that are in the text are all later interpretive additions. They had nothing to do with the original author. The original author did not stop and put little numbers in his writing. If you happen to do that in your writing, people will think you're crazy. Because what you and I write is not important enough to put little notes on like that. But what happens in the paragraphs and the chapter divisions and the verse divisions, they become interpretive bids. They become interpretive attempts, actually. And so the text, this ancient text then, we, we, we think this way. We're very Western. We like to divide everything up. We like to split it up and understand it. And I should have included a little bit more, more context because I want us to get a sense of Christ's authority. Christ's authority. Mark is extraordinarily popular amongst a lot of people for either um, academic purposes or preaching purposes. And I, wrote, uh, I read a woman's, a woman's sermon on this, a, a female pastor named Judith something, of it, and I was reading other people, and I was amazed at, first at, 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 of what I could tell, how poorly they wrestle with the text. And it's not because I'm going to say I'm going to do a better job, I don't know if I'll do a better job or not, but I hope to have honored the text, because this sits in the crawl. This kind of sits, and in, in, in it kind of postures itself against all of San Francisco, this text right here. This text is like this with San Francisco and this generation, and this generation goes right back, because it's about Christ acting like, talking like, walking like, and enacting authority. And if you come from my family, you know what my family's mantra is. Question authority. Reject authority. With a rebel yell. Did you know there was a recording of one of the last Confederate soldiers giving his rebel yell? You can hear it online. It was made sometime in the 30s or something. Anyway, it's not as inspiring as you might think. Uh, So, Mark chapter 1 And the previous verse that I omitted from verse 15 was, I'll do it from memory, uh, after uh, Jesus came preaching, the time was fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Christ's opening, opening sermon. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum. and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned amongst themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Uh, After this, he goes on to Peter's Peter's uh, mother, mother-in-law's house. She has a fever, and he, he goes in and raises her up, and her fever leaves her, and she serves them. Let's pray. I, wanna, I, I need to ask God to help us with this. Father, I ask for um, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and not merely in me as a speaker, as me as a person uh, teaching this, but, but in all of us, all of us. And and uh, that you would be moving in such a way that you would cause us to respond to your authority uh, with life. And that, and that we would be able to, we would be, we'd have life. And uh, Father, I ask for this, uh, forgive the sins of the one who speaks, for there's so many. And uh, we would ask to see Jesus. In Christ we pray, amen. In the name of this king, amen. So um, authority, now this authority concept is going to come up repeatedly and it's going to come up, in fact, right in the next chapter, 2, verse 10. And he says, so that you may know that I have authority, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. goes on. And it seems to be a very, very important idea. Uh, how many of you have read uh, Dune? Anybody read Dune? The masterpiece of science fiction. And only one enlightened human is here <laughs> who has done that. Dune happens in some far-flung future, uh, and it is a masterpiece of science fiction. It's amazing, it's influenced everything that's come since. Uh, they, they've never been able to make a good movie of it. But one of the, uh, it, 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 it posits sometime in the future the coming of a messiah. And the main character is that messiah. He's named name's uh, Paul. And, uh, but one of, the, one of the things, one of the powers he has which he is given, which he not just given, but he's trained for, is a psychological power. And it's very clever, but it's a psychological power called the voice. And what he is able, he's, with the conditioning of his mother, he is able to, to say, to use what's called the voice, and it's a psychological trick to get people to just obey without thinking. The voice. Um, It's a wonderful part of the story because it almost sounds, it almost sounds plausible psychologically that if I knew what tones would work, if I knew you or somehow I could do that, and as, you know, as behavioral scientists are finding out, there are ways in which we can trigger human responses based upon certain tones and sounds and things like that. Well, the reason it was so compelling to me was my dad has that voice. And i I've told people this for years, and people don't even believe me until they actually hear it themselves. I had told my, my sons, Alex and Ian, and remember years ago we were at the beach, and I had told them, I had tried to explain to them stories. I'm the oldest of six children, and all six of us could literally, he could shut us all down with his voice. Just pure terror. You just stand still and just do whatever you were told. Um, and um, Alex I'll never forget Alex was uh, they were on the balcony of this like little um, beachside resort and these two kids were playing and it looked like they were going to run into the street my dad was walking and he saw them and he said stop like that he just he roared in his full authoritative voice right Alex said I was standing on the balcony and he said dad I almost peed my pants. Like, I I was just like, how is it? Like, what? Like, just everything in me froze. And I thought, that's what you grew up with? (laughs) Like, that's terrifying. One of the the interesting parts of the story is, and what people remark when they read this text, is why does everybody think Christ has so much authority? Can you find anything in here? It says here, uh, it becomes kind of almost like an intuitive kind of response uh, it says he was teaching, and in verse 22, they were astonished. This, by the way, is going to happen, I think, 34 times in this little book. They're going to be amazed, astonished, afraid, baffled, am- uh, you know, incre- overwhelmed. And that's going to be the crowds are constantly hearing, seeing Jesus going, Wow! Ooh, neat! You know, they're all, that's constantly happening. And, uh, but what are they astonished at his teaching? For he taught them as one who had authority, now it is the scribes. So the scribes are the lowest level they're like your average seminary student of the day, right? They had enough authority to be able to tell you what a proper interpretation was, but they never said it was, they never declared. And it was very interpretive. In fact, there's vast amounts of interpretive literature which rose up around the Bible and had tremendous authority itself, but people were kind of pedantic and had a very ineffective, ineff, not ineffective, inoffensive way of, pre- of presenting something, an inoffensive way of approaching, an inoffensive way, in an inoffensive way, an attitude or something, a way of speaking. It's something I never learned. And, uh, <laughs> that was a joke, thank you. you had to laugh at that. So, um, so they're, they're, they're surprised, can you hear? It's right there in the text, it's like, they're all like baffled. And then it, 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 then the text tells us, uh, and we're going to look at this next week, we're going to look at the, the, uh, 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 the idea of demonology, a demonology of this. Bring your friends. It'll be a, we're going to watch The Exorcist together and dissect it. No, we're not. We <laughs> we're going to look at that next week, and, and we'll see how great. But the, so, so we, by the way, don't miss this, don't miss this. A demon is where? Where are the demons, by the way? They're in the church. It's, it's an important point to remember. So the demonic presence is in the church. It's in the synagogue. It's this ancient, uh, ancient place of worship over in Capernaum, which is called the House of Nahum, and uh, this place where Christ's ministry begins. And, uh, and so uh, now, not only does everybody kind of go, wow, the way he speaks, something about the way he carries himself, some impression he's giving they see him uh, with some crazy guy, some guy who, uh, who in the middle of worship, and I, I've seen, I've actually had this happen, get up and start talking. I know who you are. I know who you, ooh, gives me chills. And then um, in this by play, this exorcism um, event, uh, Christ says, what, come out? Nope. What I was fascinated by in the, in the exegesis of the commentaries was the question, where does Christ's authority become visual in the text? Where is it? And I'm, I, I remember I was reading it. I was reading it. And these are, these are some of the most famous commentaries and thinkers of the, of the 20th century. And I'm sitting there thinking, you can't see it? Like, did you miss it somehow? Are you... My theme this morning was, you need to change your worldview because it's His world. That's the point here. You need to change your worldview. You know why? Because it's His world. Now, you may not agree with my vision of Christ here, this textual vision of Christ. You may say in the end, you may choose to say, I reject this idea of Christ having this kind of divine authority, this divine presence, or this divine call. And you're free to do that. But... I want you to understand at least what you're rejecting because what I suspect commentators miss and I know they miss is the just unbelievable magnitude and grandeur of a man who comes and commands microbes (laughs) and then commands the demonic presence, uh, the invisible being, invisible powers who, and I think they miss it. In fact, what they do is they divide the scripture up too much. You know why they divide the scripture up so much, by the way? They don't believe it was originally written by one person for one purpose. They believe it's a bunch of, a cut and paste job. Like somebody on Word just highlighted a bunch of blue areas and switched them around. And they miss it. What do they miss? There are already, by the time we get to verse 25, five imperatives in the, in the, in the original language. Five imperatives. Five imperatives. Um, we don't have an imperative voice in, in, uh, in English. How, 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 do I, how do I, especially verbally, i verbally? give you an example. How do I verbally tell you, give you an imperative, a command? I have to do it tonally, right? I have to actually, I have to somehow, I have to either get forceful at the end of the word or I have to, I, go! You can hear it. Stand up! Stand, stand. Sit down. You, you, can, you can hear it. We're cued to hear it. But it has to be interpreted. In the Greek, it's not interpreted. In the Aramaic, it's not interpreted. A command is actually a special form of the verb that tells you this is an authoritative declaration that you have to do this. Christ is already, he already told them to repent. <laughs> this is his message. Then he tells them to believe. What's this command to, the, to, the, to James and John and, and Peter? Follow. <laughs> What's his command to the, uh, to the demons? Shut up. <laughs> By the way, it's muzzle. Be muzzled. Be muzzled. And come out. And what I think we're, none of us are ready for is that it's his world. That's the argument Mark's making. From seen to unseen... From microbial to the to death itself, it's his world. He's the king. He wears the mantle of cosmic complete authority. So much authority. He burns with it so much authority, he's going to say in the next chapter: I have authority to forgive Ted. (laughs) I have authority to declare, I have authority to work the cleansing of all sin. I have authority to work the cleansing of the leper. I have the authority to touch him which he is not allowed to do scripturally. You know, you're not allowed to touch lepers. They're unclean. He has authority to enter what is filthy and embrace it in his love. And he has authority to tell Simon, follow me. He has authority to declare. He's walking with so much authority. It was funny, uh, this one uh, sermon I was reading, and she, she was saying, I'm not trying to pick on her, I think a lot of that was coming out of her. And a lot of people comes out of, a view of Jesus as the ultimate hippie? You know? You'll be groovy, man. Like, I want you to understand something. I was raised by hippies. Jesus is not a hippie. No, in fact, nobody talks like this. Except the one who comes to love and forgive and bring new life to us. I, I want you to, we need to change our worldview, because it's His world. All right, I want, to, I want you to, when I, when I come to a text like this, I have a purpose as the preacher, teacher, leader, pastor, and that is to communicate imperatives to you. It is. Some of you are struggling with a lot of guilt and shame and doubt. I have an imperative, Belief. Put your trust wholeheartedly into Jesus. Some of you are living lives in the way you want to live them, away from Christian community, away from commitment, away from holiness. I repeat Christ's command. Repent. Repent. You know, it's funny. If I came here to give you a lot of information, I would fail. Do you know that? I would fail as a preacher if I merely came to communicate information. I'm here to, com- to communicate the second person inheritance because it's my responsibility. It's not just my responsibility, it's my privilege. That's not my privilege. It's my duty. It's not just my duty. It's it's my it's my it's my, it's my purpose. And if I only inform, and and, and if on Sunday mornings I achieve merely information, I have betrayed the Savior whose words stand today, follow, repent, believe, and I I came to forgive. You know, it's funny, um, so I I want to introduce you to a principle. I think that advice is extremely bad for me to do as a preacher. I do not believe in giving advice. Some people say I give advice, but they're not listening. <laughs> what do I mean by advice? Um, should I marry this girl? Should I take this job? Uh, how should I? You know? The reason I don't do it, or should I vote for this candidate, won't do it. You know why? God didn't give me that authority. And in fact, if I start telling you how to wear your hair or how long your hair should be or whether you should you know you know whether you should drink and chew and not go with girls that do or you know whatever the whatever the old sayings are in terms of, if i dilute my authority like that what do i lose the authority to really call you to do to follow the lord jesus christ with all your heart soul strength and mind to give up all things for him to surrender everything you are at the cross, to truly give and trust all of your sin to him as, and, and him as the forgiver of sins with all his authority, to declare with authority the forgiveness of sins because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of the Son who comes to save and love and rescue Has the Son of God with authority. You see, if I, if I choose to tell you whether Trump's an idiot or not and you can't figure that out, I can't help you, but, but if I choose to... I'm joking. I'm totally joking, guys. Really, I have no authority to tell you what to do in that regard. You know why? Because if I do that, I sacrifice a higher authority to call you to obedience, worship, love, and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can I don't want to ever step back from that. I don't want to meddle in these things. It's beneath the—it's beneath the gospel. It's beneath me and the purposes God gave me with these imperatives. And, I, and, and so, I, wanna, so that's, I want you to know why preaching is the way it is, but what, what the purpose is, what, what the purpose is here today. You know, uh, it's funny, uh, Christ is paving a way too in this authority, he's paving a way in this authority to declare authority over death. He declared in the cross an authority that, that rests and takes Sarah's sin and, 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 and takes its punishment. An authority then that, so that McLaren will rise again from death, because so did the son. An a clarity over death itself and all. And what we're going to do now, we're going to do in the next few weeks, we're going to look at the power of a prayer ministry for healing. We're going to look at, the, I think it's necessary, I think it's part of true ministry here in the city, a power over the demonic a power over, uh, a power to save and touch that which is not touchable. You know, we, the people we don't want to touch or love. And the necessity of it, the, the way Christ is leading us, and that, that and what, you know, what it becomes a power to, it becomes a power to love and serve, and a power to minister gospel love and serve. But I want to kind of, I want to wrap this up with one, uh, with kind of like my concern about authority. You know, uh, I was raised with the attitude question, Authority. Now, what I should have asked was, Dad, by what authority do you tell me that? Right? Fair question, isn't it? If you're told to question authority, you can say, okay, by what authority do you, uh, do you think, are you saying I should do that? And you see how it kind of unravels, right? It begins to intellectually unravel. It doesn't, it doesn't hold tight. And so, um, but what I'm really attracted by with all these imperatives, follow, repent, believe, come out. Hmm, there's three responses to Jesus in Mark. Three of them. And one of them is the wow response. I get worried about this one. You know what this is? It's the entertainment response. I mean, look, I know I'm I know I'm fairly entertaining to listen to. And there's probably people even more entertaining than me. And if you want to, I can tell you who they are. And in fact, if you want to, you can become one of those people who just likes to find the most entertaining worship with the most entertaining pastor and the most entertaining church possible. And we can go on and be entertained by this and excited about these ideas and jump around and money. But all the people that are astonished here, do you know what they're doing at the end in three years after this point? They're not saying wow anymore. What are they saying? Crucify him. There's one response to Christ's authority, the opening response. I see it all the time. Christ is kind of groovy. I like it, and I'm entertained. Wow. There's another response, and this is very much San Francisco. And uh, I can't make the obscene gesture, but I want you to picture that's what the demon's doing. <laughs> it's the fight, right? It's the attack, it's the rejection. Are you Hey, Chris, did you come here? Or is this church here? Or is this God? And this is where the response is. It's dukes up. It's dukes up, toe to toe. I know who you are. You're one of those separatists. You're one of those haters. you people, you know, and, 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 and it's to face off, right? It's immediately positioned to toe off in front of Jesus. And that's one response to his authority. And it, and, and, but we'd see what happens to that response, by the way. It always fails, but it's no, 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 no less real. At least the demons understand judgment is right there in front of them. (laughs) Have you come to. The demons are wiser than a lot of elite intellectuals in our generation. So you could do wow, or you could do fight, or what's the third option? How do the disciples respond to his authority? They surrender. That's what this text is meant to put in front of your face. This Christ is walking, and he's, he's declaring kingship and an ability to tell Madeline to repent. Seriously, he says it to her as much to me, as much to every creature and every person in this city. Same thing as you need to believe, and you should follow. You have a choice. And... You know which one you should do, right? I know it's you know stupid. My question really is, which one do you find yourself doing? Are you fighting? Are you entertained? Or are you following? Are you fighting? Are you entertained? Or are you following? Let's pray. Yeah, Father. The reality is, nobody meets your son. Nobody interacts with your son. Nobody reads. Nobody interacts. It just goes, eh. It's either, who are you to do? Tell me what to do, or it's that's cool, or it's the real response. I know you're looking for. I give you everything. I trust your forgiveness. I believe. And Father, this ancient text, these commands stand with power 2,000 years later, and power to bring us life and power to bring healing and joy into our lives. I pray, that, I pray for Holy Spirit power in this moment, in this hour, as we come to the table, as we respond. And thank you for your word in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.